0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM.
1: Lord, I thank you, Lord, for what you have for us today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that this word, Lord, comes straight from you, O oh God. Lord, I ask as your vessel, Lord, empty me out of everything that is not like you, oh God. Lord, as I as I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that I don't try to fill in blank where you've intentionally left blank. Lord, let me preach your already sufficient word, oh God. Let me plant seeds in the soils that are ready, Lord, to, to, to cover up that, that seed, Lord, and allow that to process to grow and to bear fruit, oh God. Lord, show us what it means to bear fruit, oh God. Lord, show us what it means to abide in you so that we can bear much fruit, oh God. Lord, so that way we can live a life that is pleasing unto you, oh God. Lord, help me to stay in line with your spirit Lord stay in line with your word oh God and what you had to say to us this morning we thank you Lord it's in Jesus name I pray amen amen so this morning I got a little quiz first There's one question quiz uh, and I'm going to ask for PD, Courtney and the ministers not to respond uh, but I want—I have one question what is the vision of KLM? okay uh huh Know God, love people, make disciples. Know God, love people, make disciples. The vision at KLM is to know God, love people, make disciples. PD asked me to preach this morning, the Lord put this on my heart so heavy. And I, I didn't, at that point, because you know I've been ducking, ducking, out early, I at that point when the Lord put this on my heart, I didn't even know about what we had planned for yesterday morning. How many people were here with yesterday, yesterday for the discipleship? Amen. We were blessed. Amen? Amen. The the vision of KLM is to know God, love people, make disciples. What does that mean? That means that the basis of everything that we do, every, every event that we have, every movement that we make, every sermon preached, the basis of it or every even interaction that we have in representation of this house is to know God, love people, and make disciples. Amen? Amen. So to this morning I wanted to, uh, 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 to speak to you concerning those things and I, I think it's in a perfect order. Amen. So we're going to walk through this knowing God, this loving people and making disciples. I don't have a theme, I don't have a verse, like a central verse. We're going to be exercising through, through, the, through the scriptures this morning as we talk about what it means to know God, what it means to love people and what it means to make disciples. And that we we will ingrain this that when we that that the next time that we have an opportunity and this question is asked that as in unison, everybody remembers is off the top of their head because again, it is the basis of everything. When we're leading children's church, that the, the key part is to help them to know God, to love people, loving them and to make disciples. When we're leading the men's ministry that is caused to, to be, have people know God, to love people and to make disciples. And I, I want to submit to you this morning that is this is not just the vision of KLM, but it is the vision of every disciple of Jesus Christ. It's to know God, love people, and make disciples. Amen. This is not just specific to 205 New Brunswick Avenue, but it's specific to everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. That God has called us to know Him, to love His people, and to make disciples. Amen? Amen. So so the next time I'm going to ask or anybody come up here and ask, what's the vision of KLM? We're going to answer in unison to know God, love people, and make disciples. Amen. So first thing is to know God. Before I even talk about what knowing God looks like, the first thing is the is the very fact that God allows Himself to be known. We uh, uh, pastor Jack mentioned it yesterday. How in other religions, especially in the Muslim religion, there is there is not this this intimacy with God is something that's very foreign to a lot of other religions. And there's this God that is holy, that is set apart, that is perfect, in the same way that that we that we proclaim the true God Jehovah to be. But this 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 relationship piece is missing. And God allows himself to be known, the creator of the universe. You know, it's crazy. We have celebrities and people that we know that are famous and they are untouchable. They are untouchable. They got guards. They got gates. They got all these things and they don't come to the people, but we have a God, the creator of the universe. The thing I like to say is the creator who created creativity. So I mean, when we look up in the skies, we see the different colors at different times of day and we talk about how beautiful they are. He is the artist. It wasn't by chance. He is the one that saw the different colors and said, this is going to look hot. The purple and the orange and they mix together and in 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 right when it goes from day to night, that, that's, that's his artwork. When he created our bodies, the vessels and the way that, that we, we breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide and plants take in carbon dioxide and they come out with oxygen and there's this running cycle, he designed that. He created universes that we don't even know exist. I, I love crazy, there's a book called Crazy Love by Francis Chan and in the first chapter he talks about these, there's these billions and billions of galaxies in this world that we have not yet to see but yet there are, uh, I think it's about 200 something muscles in the head of a caterpillar. Our God is, uh, yes, our God is, I think it's muscles, it's, it's 200 something, something in, in the head. 200 anything in the head of a caterpillar is a lot. He is a God of detail. He is an artist. He is he is—he is the creator. He's not just one, and when we say create, he's not just one is oh, just let that be like it was just something. He, he designed everything to be the way it is. The green leaves and, and then now you got the season and we got the yellow, the red and the brown and the orange and everything is so colorful, guess what? He designed it that way. This Monica Yadashiki, is beautiful, he designed it that way. The different colors and all the, all the color schemes that we think we put together, he already designed that. He designed every single tone and every single shade. All these shades of this different color, he designed that. He is an artist. We all come, come in different shapes and different forms and different tones and all that. He designed that, he is the creator of the universe and yet he allows himself to be known personally. He doesn't do all these things and just say okay now I'm going to stand in my box and make y'all just, just be in awe, be, just, be, just be marveled by me and y'all will never get to know me. No, he says I will allow you to know me personally. Not even just once a week, but in your daily lives, that you have access to him through the prayer. Not only just access, he says to approach his throne boldly. I can't walk into Denzel Washington's house boldly. We who are created believe we are even greater of a greater extent than God. I don't mean, I don't know how humble Denzel Washington, I'll just use him as an example. He's the first celebrity that came to mind. He's probably a humble man, he seems like he is, but I'm just using him as an example. But the God who deserves to be the one that is set apart, who is set apart, holy in his nature, he causes himself to be accessed in relationship. How does he do that? God is able to be known through Jesus Christ. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 18. Amen. John 1 verse 18, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who was at his father's side. He has made him known. Now understand that chapter one is talking about Jesus. You know, we were talking about one, one, the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he's talking about Jesus. So when he said he has made him known. He's talking about Jesus Christ has made God known. Jesus Christ is the, I believe in Colossians, Jesus Christ is the perfect image of the living God. So through Jesus Christ, God has made Himself known. Amen? So how many are, 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 are grateful that we have a God who makes Himself known? He's not this far off God, but He allows us to call Him our God. Even deeper, He allows us to call, us, call Him Abba Father. That is, that is a, a, a term of intimacy. Abba Father, other religions look at it and said, "That's I, I, I can't get, some people can't get with it because they can't fathom a God that makes himself known, that makes himself personable. We get glimpses of that with people. When you, if President Obama came in and was like, oh, don't call me oh, President Obama, my name is just Barack. We, we're in awe of that. But his stature is nothing compared to the true and living God. And God has not only just, <laughs> he didn't just make himself known by saying, hey, just call me father, but he paid for the price to call it, for us to call him father. He gave his only begotten son to die on the cross in our place in order for us to call him father. Yes, yes. He has given up the true obedient son in order for us who are disobedient sons and daughters for us to call him our father. He has made himself known. Knowing God is the, the, the crux of everything that we do as a believer. And, and, and John 17 verse 3 says that eternal life is knowing God. That's where eternal life is. Eternal life is not sitting on the streets of gold. You know Donnie McClurkin has a song it's where you are, wherever you are that's where I want to be. It's not about the streets of gold it's not about the pearly gates it's about wherever you are that's where I want to be. As long as you are there as long as there is you. Now look it up this is a beautiful song. But that's the point you know I say sometimes I haven't said it in a while but I say if God decides to move downstairs I'm going downstairs send me there because hell is only hell because God is not there. We talked about that when we preached through the book of Lamentations the reason why hell is hell is not because of the fire and the brimstone it's not because the devil it's because God is not there anywhere God is not is hell. Are are y'all with me? Hell is the separation, is the eternal separation of God. So meaning wherever God is, that's where we want to be. It's not just because it's upstairs, it's in the clouds and it's nice and it's got everything. No, the reason why we want to be there is because God is there. Eternal life is knowing God. That's our key. We don't just get saved just to get to heaven, we get saved to get to God. So eternal life is knowing God. God makes himself known through Jesus Christ. So 1 John talks about some proof of those who know God. How do we know someone, how do we know that someone knows God? Because here's the problem, I, 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 a lot of people know about people, but they don't necessarily know people. You know what I mean? You could read their bio, you could read their autobiography, you know what I'm saying? Like you could, You could follow every single thing that they've done. And yeah, you can say yeah. You know, I know this person. No, y'all never even had a conversation. <laughs> like, just because you went to the basketball game doesn't mean you know LeBron James. Just because LeBron James pointing in the crowd and he happened to point in your direction don't mean you know him. But you have to have a relationship with him. You gotta show me. You gotta show me some receipts. You gotta show me some texts, some calls to say yeah, this is my boy. Like when PD comes and says he know John Gray, I know he know John Gray. He still got the sneakers that he used to wear with his suits. <laughs> no <Nope>. Shots. <laughs> he don't wear it no more. He don't wear it no more. He learned it. He learned it good. <laughs> but when he said, you know what I'm saying? Like, So there's a difference between people, oh, I know this person and really knowing that person. And so First John talks about the proof of someone who really knows that person. First John, tra- uh, go with me to chapter 2. We're going to walk through that real quick. First John, chapter 2. We have to know God. We can't just know about God. See, the thing is, we, we and, and again, it's right in line with, with something that Pastor Jack said yesterday, is that we're not here to receive information. It's the revelation. The revelation comes out of relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we can't, we can't just come here and learn knowledge and just hear, okay, I know this about God. I know more about the sovereignty of God. I know more about the provision of God. I know more about the healing power of God. And yet, you don't use that to access in a relationship to God. When we leave here, we're supposed to apply what we know in order to grow our relationship with God. It's not just to know about God. There's a lot of people who have so many degrees in seminaries and all they got degrees in seminaries, but they don't know God. So many people even giving to charities, doing all these nice things, but they don't know God. And so these are the marks of people who know God. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to walk real quickly and see some things. So first, verse uh, 2, chapter 2, I'm sorry, um, verse 3 says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So the person who knows God keeps his commandments. Then does that mean, Alan, Brother, Minister Alan, are you saying that, it, you know, I got to be perfect in order for me to for me to be one to know God? That's not what it means. One thing I, I've realized in kind of counseling some people and talking to some people is that part of his commandments is to repent when we fall. Make sense? Can I break that down, PD, you, you correct me if I'm wrong. So... We are not perfect. Amen. We're still dealing with the power of sin. God has dealt with, you know, Christ on his cross has dealt with the penalty of sin. We're looking forward to the day with the present sin, But in the midst, in that middle, that sanctification process is dealing with the power of sin. That's why we got chapters like Romans 7 where Paul says, the things that I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. It's not me, but it's the sinful nature that's in me. We're still dealing with sinful nature. Anybody tells you that coming in Christ makes you perfect is a lie. And that is a movement that's going on. That is a lie. Amen. He is perfecting us. Amen. So what, what does that mean by saying, okay, well you just told me, though we know we know Him because we keep His commandments. Well, some part of His commandments is in knowing our weakness, His commandments is to repent of our sin. So even in the midst when we do fall short of keeping those commandments of the, the you know, doing this and doing that and, and those type of commandments, even in the midst when we fall, when we f- keep His commandment of repenting when we fall, that's keeping His commandments. It makes sense? So it's not perfection that, that he's looking for, but in the midst of perfection, to go to the perfect one to be perfected. I don't know if I'm making sense. Let Clear. So it's not about this. So when he says those who you know, you know him because you keep his commandments, it's about living a lifestyle where you're looking towards God. And so when you fall, you understand that you fall and you go back towards God. So you keep his commandments. So when, when you sin, you feel it. When you sin sin against God, you feel that thing, you grieve that thing. There's evidence of the Holy Spirit living in you. That's how you know you know Him. If you sin you don't feel no types of ways, that's scary. That's scary. Because that means that the Holy Spirit which is grieved by sin, He ain't that close to you right now. It ain't cool. And so, so keeping his commandments is having and being being not only being joyful by the things that make him joyful but being grieved by the things that grieve him. So when you do that thing something in you just oh I can't even sometimes it causes us to, to, to run away from him but there's a reaction. It's not like oh this is this is right, I'm cool I'm straight I did that you know what I mean but there's a there's a oh, there's a there's a, 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 a conviction. Now we're called to call that conviction to go to repentance rather than guilt because guilt is of the enemy but there's a conviction and that's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Proof of one that knows Him. So we keep His commandments. We walk like Him. Verse 6 says, Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. We're supposed to aim to walk like Jesus walked. We're supposed to aim to do what Jesus did. See it's easy to say what Jesus said but it's another thing to do what Jesus did. A group of us were talking about what ministry is like what would, what would you define this ministry? Just talking about ministry. And somebody came up with something that was dope. It says just, and it was simple. It says continuing to do what Jesus already did when he was here. Walking like Jesus did. Responding to things like Jesus did. A lot of times we try to make up what we think Jesus would... And Jesus has made similar responses to situations. Although the situation is new, Jesus never changes. And if it's sin, it's sin. If it glorifies God, it glorifies God. Simple as that. We can't go and tweak and... No, Jesus has already given us the blueprint on how to react to this world's issues. Yes, Jesus was here physically 2,000 years ago, but Jesus has left a standard for us to live by. So when society is telling us, no, we should change our feelings or that, no, no, no. Because we serve a God who never changes. So we're supposed to walk in the same way as we walk. Do you live a life that is living that's seeking to please the King? Do you seek to find ways to live in a, in a way that glorifies Him? That's a mark of someone who knows Him. Not only that, but you confirm that Jesus is the Christ. 22 to 23, verse 22 to 23, same chapter, 1 John chapter 2. It says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Listen to this. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. How many people heard, oh, I believe in God but I don't believe in Jesus? You can't know God if you can't. And we already said it. You, he is made known through Jesus Christ. And so if you, you, can't, you can't affirm God and deny Jesus. By denying Jesus, you're denying God. So you can't say you know God if you don't, you choose not to know his son. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. There's no other door. He said, I am the door. You can't go to God in any way. People say, oh, well, all religions are the same. You know, it's just different ways to God. No, 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 no. Robbie Zacharias says it like this and this is an easy response to anybody that says that to you. All religions superficially meaning on the surface seem the same but fundamentally are different. Because remember going back to that statement Jesus says he is the way The truth, not a way, not a truth. He says no one can come to the Father but through me. So how can that statement in Christianity sit with another statement that says well this is the way to God. Once he already establishes that this is the only way to God he already goes against every other religion. We have to affirm and confirm and and, and believe in Christ in order to get to God the Father. So, there is no believing in God but not believing in Jesus Christ. And you don't believe in God. Because God makes himself known through Christ. These are proofs of one who knows God. So, the question is I, I, I think in my head, and, I, and, and just like PD says, I'm glad you asked. Well, well Al, Mr. Allen, all this knowing and puffing up in knowledge, well, what about loving God? Here's the problem. A lot of times we think that the mind and the heart are not related, as if if we feed the mind, it has no connection to the heart. You go to church, and I've heard it so many times, and it irks my it irks my nerves when people refer to people as theologians in a the negative sense. Oh, you know these theologians, they come around and they, and as if it's a negative thing. First of all, everybody's a theologian. If you have any idea of God, that's what it means. It's a study of God. So, I me, mean, if you have any idea of God, you are a theologian. So it ain't just because you got letters after your name that makes you a theologian, we are all theologian, amen? And so, but the thing is, beefing up the mind and then the knowledge of God is not counteracting our our affections and our love. We have an example, Romans 11, go with me and run Romans 11. Anybody ever read through the book of Romans? Romans is like a textbook. It's literally like you like you literally re- sitting down and reading systematic theology. Like Paul is like literally giving you information information. So you're reading Romans 1 through 11 and it's, it's all feeding the mind. It's talking about, you know, the state of man uh, um, in Romans 1 where, where we have given, our, where God has, we have fought, fought for our desires and God has given man into their, their own desires. Talks about the different sins. Talks about how we are we are all, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then talks about Jesus being our substitute and dying in our place. Talks about the sin nature and and us overcoming that sin nature and us walking in the spirit. It, it, it talks about all these things in the future glory and and, and, and God's sovereignty in chapter nine. It talks about the message of salvation to all, where we where we hear, you know, at the, all the altar calls. For, you know, if you believe in your you, in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you, so you hear all these things about uh, uh, salvation. You hear about the Gentiles being grafted into. To, so it's a lot of information. So it feels like if, if you had the if you had the mind versus heart idea, you're thinking, well, let me just go to the Psalms if I want to feed my heart, right? But at the end of Romans 11, something great happens. Paul who's the one that's writing all these what seems to be the systematic ideas breaks into praise. And verse 11, verse 33, it says, All oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor, or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever and amen. Why? Because when we come to know God, you heard to say, to know Him is to love Him. How do you grow in a marriage as you continue to know your spouse you continue to love them even more. When you even in friendships as you continue to know someone deeper you, co- you get more and more reasons to love them. That's why there's a difference between a stranger and your best friend. Because you all been through some stuff you see some things about that person and some attributes that you didn't know the first moment you met them. So, as you continue to know them deeper you find more reasons to love them. You find more reasons to, to, to react in affection. So the mind and the heart are connected. As you grow in knowledge of God, you grow in the love of God. So and we, but the thing is we have to be intentional about it. So when we're reading these books and we listen to these sermons, don't just let it puff up your head, allow it to apply to your affections of God. Listen to these sermons and you hear these sermons and says, how do I put this into practice in my relationship to God? God, I see your sovereignty. I know that you could do whatever you want to do, however you want to do, whenever you want to do it. So how do I apply that in my relationship? God, you could do whatever you want, but yet you still, you still love me. You could choose not to love me, but you choose to love me. You could choose not to provide me, but you choose to provide for me. So Lord, I thank you that you choose to love me. You're not forced to love me, you're not obligated to love me, but you choose to love me in all your sovereignty, God. You see how we take a weighty subject of the mind and make it a weighty subject of the heart. And it deepens our relationship. So as we know God, we love Him. Amen? Amen. So knowing God. So now that we know God, one thing that we do know about God is that God loves His people. Amen? Amen? And so when we understand that God loves His people, next thing is for us to love His people. The great commandment Matthew twenty-two verse thirty-nine. Jesus is in the middle of all these people, and 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 so you know he got these people that's testing him, right? Some people are curious and just asking questions. Some people are just like, I'm trying to trap this dude into some mess so we can finally arrest this guy. So twenty-two verse thirty-nine is a verse that we 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 know most people know. And it says in, I'm so, I'm gonna start from thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So we already covered that, right? As we get to know him, we love him and we love him with everything that we have. Amen? Listen to the next part of it. This is the great and first commandment. Verse 39 says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Every single law, every single commandment in the word is based on those two things to love God and love his people. Amen. So God has called us to love his people. Identity, so I, I, even Jesus goes as far as says this is how they will know you are my disciples. Go with me John 13. Told y'all we're gonna be surfing this morning, amen. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And I want you guys to, if you got, if if you got a, a physical highlight, if you got the, the the Bible app, highlight these verses to go back on because again, this is the basis of the church that we belong to, amen. And not just the little sea church, but the big sea church. Amen. So John 13, verse 34 and 35. I, I hear you, Kennedy. Uh, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's not about where you go every Sunday. We don't have no name tags We don't have a dress code. We don't have a a, a certain mark on on our bodies to identify us as his disciples. But it's our love for one another that that's how they will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. How we love one another, even in the midst of differences, is how they will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. In John I believe 17 where, where Jesus is in the garden this is one of the last prayers before he gets arrested. He prays, He's praying to God he can pray about anything but one of the things he keeps repeating Lord let them be one just as you and I are one that so the world may know that you sent me. Then he goes later on and takes it a step further he says let them be one just as you and I are one that so the world may know that you sent me and that you love them. The world would not know that God loves them if we don't love each other. How many people you know be like, I'm not going to church, y'all y'all be fighting amongst y'all, y'all yourselves, why do I need to be in there? Y'all can't even get it together, so what's the point of me getting in there? I get more love from people outside the church. We are called to love people. I don't care what your personality type is, you're not a people person. Well, guess what, you're going to have to learn to be a people person, because God is a people person. Yes, there's certain personality tweets, but we have to come, get over ourselves in order to live for Christ. We have to be able to love people, not just love people by word, but by deed. Amen. Amen. You know, yesterday one of the points that JC had has circled in and was showing me that we are supposed to care for each other's needs. And speaking to people about Christ, there's a, there's a quote that says, they don't, know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. There are some things that people will not be able to understand and and receive the word of God until you show them love. Yeah, we got people who claim to be Christians stank face all the time. (laughs) Just mean. I think it was Pastor Powell one time. Just nasty. Just mean. Just don't want to talk about it. I had a lady, I was working at a bank at, at a bank. And it was one of these ladies, you know, I, I, PD, I mean I'ma be straight up with it, I mean I love, we, we ain't, this is not our church, so, uh, but the lady was, uh, she was just African American, but she had that mindset of it's us against them, and you know what I mean by them. So I was sitting next to my head teller who was Caucasian, and so like, she's at the window like hovered at the window like, yeah, cause you know they don't want us to succeed. And she's like, cause you know, but you know I believe in God, and so God has got me covered. Say so if you believe in God, how come you can't love your brother, or your sister? Our brother and sister is not caught into our eth- ethnicities. Our ethnicity is part of our makeup, but that doesn't cut off where we love and where we don't. We love all people. Amen. We love all people. Christ didn't come and die for the Jews alone, because otherwise a lot of us wouldn't be saved. His love surpasses ethnicity. When we can stand by people who stand for biblical Christianity, we learned that yesterday too. Y'all, if y'all missed yesterday, listen, y'all missed yesterday. And, and, and today's message will go right into, it flows right from it. But we, 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 we have to love people. People who stand for biblical Christianity, those are our brothers and our sisters no matter what color skin they are no matter what neighborhood they came from they are our brothers and sisters when we look at tv and we see these 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 these, these uh, terrorist groups that are slicing off the heads of people who are believers those are our brothers those are our sisters we should grieve Yes, we never met them. Yes, we never had a conversation with them. But we share the same father. Uh, my brother T. Wise, he tries to play, he plays, he plays the word a lot. But he said, we're, we're we're brothers by blood. We got the same father, and we and we and, and, and we died. he died with the same blood. We brothers by blood. I messed it all up, but he he'll hear this, he'll correct me. But we, we got the same father. So we're connected, and we have to see it like that. So when, it, when, when people come and we got Compassion International, and we got all these, these organizations that are trying to say to help these people that are across seas and, and these kids that are, are trying, we should see them as our little, our little nephews, our little nieces, that they are in need and so I will do whatever I can in order. They may never see my face, they may never know my name, but at the end of the day if I know that I can bless our people, when I say our people I ain't talking about our people, I'm talking about our people. Yes, there are some things that we're supposed to be proud of our ethnicities. There is a level to that, but we cannot let that surpass our, our identity as believers. Before I'm a Haitian, I'm Christian. So I'm not going to hold Haitian traditions over Christian traditions. I'm saying this for any listening right now who is of the They know I, why I say that. Because there are, and i will only speak from my own tradition, but there are people who, like make, Hispanic churches probably do the same thing, where, where because they hold the tradition of their culture over their beliefs. Yeah, come on now. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, I don't care how many years my country has been doing it. We're not doing it. If it goes against what God says, I don't care how much of a tradition, I don't care how left out, I'm, I'm going to hit people, it's October, so I'm going to hit some people. I'm sorry. But I don't care how left out you're going to feel if I have a conviction against it for my own, and y'all gonna have your own opinion, but if I have a conviction, I'm going to stand by it. Are y'all with me? Our co- our Christian culture surpasses our ethnic culture. Amen. So our great commandment, our identity as disciples. We can't love God if we don't love each other. Let's go to 1 John 4 verse 20. First, let me tell you, John was real nice in storytelling in the book of John. But in first John, he's, he he tells it like it is. He's saying, listen, this is this is whether you're with us or you're not. First John 4, verse 20. And it reads, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he who, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him: whoever loves God must also love his brother. So that that hate that you have for, for your brother, your sister is a proof that you don't love God. That's what that's the word. That's not Alan. That's not my opinion. That's why God, that Jesus even, uh, I believe it's Paul, he says that if you have an offering and you come to the altar, you have an ought with your brother, leave the offering at the altar, go fix that and then come back. Because don't come to me, God is saying don't come to me if you haven't fixed your situation. So you have a problem with your brother, if you have a problem with your sister, fix that. Because that affects your your, your 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 relationship with God. Even in marriage, that when you when you are, 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 are in aught with your spouse, you have a problem with your relationship with God. God. There's some blessings that God blocks. God is serious about loving his people. Not just even loving your brother, your sister, even unbelievers. Here's a spectrum, right? Now, um, and I'm going, I'm going, I'm going uh, uh, a, a little ahead. But Jesus says to love our enemies, right? Okay, so so let's let's say this is a spectrum, right? So this is the people that are believers, people that are, are so nice, so kind, and so God says love them, right? Then the other end of the spectrum is the people that hate you, the people that talk bad about you, the people that want you dead, literally. The people that don't like your life, the people that can't even stand to be in the same room with you. God says to love them. That's the spectrum. So guess what? Everybody in between is to be loved. There's nobody left in this world not to love. I don't care... Now, that we supposed to go through this book a couple years ago, I don't care what convictions they even hold in their heart, there is a level of, love. doesn't mean that we compromise our word, but there is a level of love we still extend to people who live lifestyles that are against what we believe yeah. yeah, in. Right. Yeah. Nothing merits hate towards people. Even if you sign the name of God of it, don't forge a signature on your mess. There is a level of, in the name of the book that we were going to read, there's a level of compassion without compromise. We are called to love everyone. So meaning there is no one left to love. I mean, left not, not to love. He's already covered the whole thing. He's gave you two extremes. Love your brother. That's the one that is walking with you. The one that is in the same, you know, that's in the same faith. Love the, the household faith. And he says, love your enemies. So meaning everybody in between is covered. That person that gets on your nerves now and then, the person that you let in and then they they messed you, they messed up. Guess what? Still love them. Now, that doesn't mean love them being all all, all all in their space, but you still love them. The, the key marker for me that I would say is that you're able to pray for them. You don't have to see them. Sometimes you have to physically separate yourself from some people. But if you you at least have to have the heart to pray for them where they are to get over the grief, to get over the hurt, and there are true hurts, there are real hurts, there are real scars, but God is possible, God has the possibility of healing those scars. Christ was on the cross. They weren't done crucifying him. This is not when he came back. He was on the cross, nails still in his hands, still bleeding, leaking onto the floor, still in agony, still in pain. It says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It wasn't when it was all done. It wasn't when he was clothed in all white and walking through walls and doing all this other stuff. It wasn't when all right now that I'm over with you know what God you can forgive them. No, in the midst of the pain and some of us it's years after the pain we still can't forgive people. And I'm not saying like it's easy, it's easier said than done but it's possible. You, better, you know you better preach with me Kennedy. <laughs> But we have to allow it, I was speaking to somebody uh, not too long ago, he said we, the thing, the problem is we see forgiveness as it's supposed to be an instantaneous thing. Allow it to be a process. Allow it to be a process. But as long as you submit yourself to God in the process, he'll work on your heart. There's some situation where God will immediately clean it right then and there, but there's some situation where God, as, as long as, if it's years after, as long as it, all those years you have been you have been submitting yourself, God is going to make progress. So maybe two years ago, you, could, you couldn't even stand to see the sight of them. And now, now, a photo could pass by, you have no problem. There's progress. But if you submit yourself, God would allow those hurts. God would allow those scars to be cleaned By us holding unforgiveness, that means we are doubting God to be the healer. I don't know why I went that deep in that point, but some people need to hear that. Because those are the blockages from us loving people. Those are the problems from us loving people. And sometimes loving people doesn't look so nice. The Bible calls us to tr- speak the truth in love. Sometimes that means some stuff that may not be comfortable. As a matter of fact, that shows more love than, than lack of love. You know, one of my, ma- my major challenges, I'm going to be transparent, one of my major challenges in me preparing for marriage right now is that I have a fiance who holds no bars, who will challenge me, who will, like, I'm talking about like, will call me out, but in love. I'm and I'm being real. And I had to learn to accept that. And I remember PD always talking about how at one point he had to realize that 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 Lady Courtney is not his enemy. And I had to remember that. And because of that lesson, I thank you, PD, for being transparent because that's what what caught me to realize. Lauren is not my enemy. She wants to see the best out of me. Sometimes you gotta squeeze some people in order to get the best out of them. But it's in love. So sometimes that's what that's what walking arm by arm, that's what walking side by side with our brother and our sister. It's not just in the context of marriage, it's in the context of friendship. That you see something in the person, sometimes you gotta squeeze it out of them. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta listen, <laughs> yo, bro, like. I understand, but you got to stop, get, stop getting distracted. I'm not speaking to Trey, I'm just using an example, all right? But you gotta, maybe it is to you, I don't know. But you got to stop getting distracted. You got to get off of social media, bro, because you have so much gifting that if, if you keep relying and, and focusing on these things that are not important, you're going to miss your calling, bro. Then what does that look like? Accountability. When I start to see that there's a whole bunch of comments and a whole bunch of likes from Trey Tucker on... on Trey, my man, Like we had this conversation bro, like really? How do you expect to see the fullness of what God is going to do in your life if you constantly are giving your time to these things? Yo bro, alright listen bro, let, let, alright you know what, next two weeks let's both go on a social media fast. Let, let's really, and let, let's just get into the world, let's get... That's what love is. Love is not about keeping people comfortable in their mess. Sometimes we feel like, oh, you, you know, I love them too much so, you know, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to really ruffle their feathers. No, love, love means ruffling some feathers. You know how we, we, talk, and we talked about, now it just reminded me when we're talking about the church one-on-one, talking about stirring up gifts. Sometimes we have, to, we have to rattle some things in people's lives out of love. Right, right. We have to love people. <sighs> Paul even tells us to operate in our gifts out of love. So we missed it because so so uh, uh, and and I was gonna make this point anyway, but uh, but uh, Pastor Jack yesterday um, made the point about how so you know the chapters and verses in the Bible were made were not originally in the letters, so they were kind of made for us to be for us to be easier to read, right? So sometimes there are some things that are like there's a chapter mark right in there, and so you miss the point. Of, 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 there's a flow, like I realized that when, years ago when we were preaching through First uh, Corinthians ten. And um, I was, well we were preaching, preaching through First Corinthians and I was preaching through 1 Corinthians 10 and I realized that 11 verse 1 actually went with, ver, with chapter 10 more than it did with 11. So the same things Doesn't mean that the Bible is infallible, but the, the markers that we you know we just did as, as Elijah, sometimes they, they separate thoughts that are beat together. So the reason why I say that is this, in First Corinthians 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts, right? right. Paul talks about the spiritual gifts lists them all, talks about them and all that. And at the end, he says, and let me show you a more perfect way of doing this. And then 1 Corinthians 13 comes. And we all know 1 Corinthians 13, if you've been to a wedding, love is patient, love is kind, love, you know, if I, if I, if I prophesy and have not loved and I'm like clashing symbols, all those things. What he's saying at the end of that chapter 12 is that the best way to operate in these spiritual gifts is in love. It's not in trying to find notoriety. It's not trying to find the popularity in order to be the great... Yo, this week, and I'm saying, I'm... I just I just got wind of this cult situation going on with this prophet where... Um, I don't know if I should say his name, but I, I'm going to say his name because I don't, I don't care. Uh, it's all on. It's all in public. But this prophet, Justin Holmes or something like that, and these these women are literally worshiping him changing their last names on Facebook, and, 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 it's, and it's cultish. And it is, obviously he's not using the gifts that he may or may not have out of love. It makes make sense? There are people that use it for power. There are people that use it for popularity. There are people that use it for notoriety. There are some people who are in ministry because that's the only place that they can be seen. Because they know if they go out into the in the marketplace people are not going to see them so they come in and use the gifts that God use wants them to use for their glory for their own glory we're supposed to operate in the gifts of spirit whether it's the gifts of prophecies whether it's the gifts of interpreting tongues, whether it's the gifts of of, of healing whether the gifts whatever the gifts are it's supposed to be out of love so meaning if if Lord allows me to Flow and prophecy is out of the love for God to speak to to my brother and my sister. It's not for me to be seen as old Prophet Allen. No. When I come in, I preach. It's not for people to say, yo, Allen, yo, you a great preacher. That's not the aim. My aim when I I come preaching, that's probably sometimes a lot of times I'm long-winded, is because I really want us to get this thing. I really want us to move forward. That's that, it's out of love when we operate a uh, uh, lady Courtney and her singing, it's not for people to say oh lady Courtney you sing so well, no it's for us to be in a place of worship, to lead us in a place of worship. The, the Trey on the keys is not to say okay yo Trey you blazing, it's not for that, it's great to hear that but it's not to say, it's not that, it's in order for us to be ushered in the place of worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're supposed to be operating in our cases, out of love for people. So we know God, we love His people, and so now because we know the goodness of God, right? right, We know the goodness of, his knowledge, of knowing Him through Jesus Christ. We know all that Jesus Christ did for us. So now we love people, right? We love people, we want to see the best for them, right? <laughs> we understand that salvation is the best thing. See here's, here's the misconnect that a lot of us, and I'm doing this on purpose because a lot of us, including me, don't make this connection. We understand and we sit here and we talk about salvation is the best thing. Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me, right, right? Then we go to and we, and we love people and you know we want to see the best for them. We want to see people walking in their purpose. But you know we, we know that salvation is the best thing but then we, we encounter people who don't have salvation and yet we still, uh, we love them. But salvation is the best thing and if we love people then we introduce them to salvation. We know God, we love people and we make disciples. We don't make disciples to add people to the church we make disciples to to have people really walk in their calling to really walk in salvation to be saved from the sin that has them chained up. We work with, we walk with, we talk with people who are in bondage and because of our own shyness, our timidity, our own I don't want to really ruffle any feathers we don't present them to the very solution to all their problems. Out of the knowledge of God, and when we truly love people, the natural effect is to make disciples. I love how PDPD early one of the things that he said is that the Bible doesn't call us to make converts; it calls us to make disciples. So, I mean, it ain't just about bringing people. Yeah, that person now he in, he in church, so you know I got one. No, walk with people. It's a process. We learned that yesterday too. I told you there's gonna be a lot of a lot of uh, hints. So if you may, didn't make yesterday, there's a little 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 clips. But it's a process. Walking with people, dealing with their mess, doing life with people. I had to be transparent. It wasn't until like maybe a year ago that I really knew what that meant. I've been preaching for 12 years now. I've been in ministry for 12 years but I question myself, am I really in ministry if I just preach and just leave? If I don't walk with people, if I don't take time to deal with their mess, to walk with them, walk them through their mess, to point them to Christ, what am I doing? I don't care how many stages I preach on. I don't care how many sermons I preach a year. If I don't walk with people, then I'm not doing my job. God didn't say go forth and just preach. He said go forth and make disciples. We have to ask ourselves, how many people have we walked to the kingdom? And I'm being harsh, I'm being harsh on myself. So not to you, I'm not yelling at you, I'm yelling at myself too, okay? I know, I know I went a little crazy because we're in this, like we, it's, a, it's a group of us where we're literally asking ourselves the hard questions. If we really ask ourselves, how many people have we led to Christ? A lot of us would not have one. I, I thank God for the stats of yesterday that he gave, he said about uh, what, uh, two to three percent. Two to three percent have led people to Christ. Two to three percent. And the other percentage didn't even know what the Great Commission was. That's where I was supposed to go. Great Commission. So Jesus dies, resurrects, right? He's about to go up high. What's the last thing he says to them? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Teaching them, teaching them is not just this one session thing. It's teaching them and walk. See, I've learned learned recently really, I've heard always there's a difference between preaching and teaching, right? But I've learned personally, I think I shared this uh, not too long ago, thats that I've learned personally the difference. Because teaching, like, if this was more of a teaching, then would have been like, yo, are y'all, y'all good? Like, Anybody got questions? Because now I'm able to wrestle with some of, some of your res- reservations, some of your not understandings. But that's how the life is supposed to be. Not even just in one session, like, yo, listen, hey, how are we applying this word? You know, when we walk, hey, listen, you know, yo, listen, we heard a great sermon, man, so how's God going to challenge us? When God challenges us, how do we deal with sin? How do we deal with the very thing thing that holds us? The very thing that that we're addicted to? How do we deal with our addictions and submit them to God? Then how do I hold you accountable? How do I I keep checking on you and doing life with you? That's what God has called us to do. It's not just about getting your blessings. It's not just about getting, getting your benefits from God. But we get our benefits in order to make disciples. That's not the ultimate goal that we're doing it for nothing. Even our prosperity, when we ask God to prosper us, in order for us to lead, to make disciples, to love people. If it's not for that, then we don't need to have riches. As a matter of fact, some of you guys are praying for stuff that you're not getting because God is saying, well, you, well, you get it, it's not for any of my goals. So I'd rather not give it to you. Until I fix your heart, I'm not going to give it to you. Some of us are asking for financial breakthroughs and God is saying it's just so you can buy a new car and get a bigger house. For what? If it's not for my kingdom, why am I giving it to you? Yeah, it's for you. Our aim in life in everything we do is to know God more, love people more, and to make disciples. That person who is in your circle And then you you feel the tugging in your heart. There's something about this person. Walk with them. Do life with them. And I'm speaking to myself. Like walk with them. Teach them. Show them. And then speaking to unbelievers, like don't be afraid to stand for your faith. Because you know what? A lot of times you feel like you're going to be the one left out. You're going to be the one question. You're going to be the one, the the, the butt of the jokes. But guess what? When you stand in faith, even the person who's joking about you, when they need something, they know they come to you. Nicodemus was amongst the Pharisees when Jesus stood stood firm on what he believed in. And what did Nicodemus did? In the later night, came over to Jesus and said, Jesus, what is this thing about being born again? But had Jesus been like, you know what? I'm in front of all these Pharisees. I'm gonna let y'all slide. I'm just gonna walk away. But Jesus stood firm, proclaimed his faith, because even though they're giving all this mask of like, oh, nah, we ain't with that, all that. When they need something, they come to you. When I, I think I gave this example here. So at my at my at my job, I'm called the preacher, the church boy. Like, they like, yo, if you need a day off, it's always going to be on a Sunday. Like, even right now, I'm waiting for a text back to see if I can get today off because I got something else going on. Like, everybody knows me as a church guy, right? So there's always these jokes, always these things, right? So one day I'm working, I'm working in this area and the manager calls, and so it's two of us. The manager calls, my, other, my co-worker picks up and looks at me and he goes, all right, copy that, boss. H- hangs up and he goes, yo, uh, uh your boss, uh, Mike, his name is Mike, Mike wants to see you. So I'm like, so I'm like... I feel like the walk to the principal's office, like, what did I do? Like, it's like, I was here yesterday. I was like, yeah, I came in on time. I was like, what? I'm trying to figure out. So and then mind you, I'm in an area that's far, so I got mad time to like, have anxiety over this situation. So I'm walking, I'm, I'm like, what did, I was like, what's he calling me for? Like, so I walk in, and he goes, he goes, first of all, he makes this joke. Now, mind you, he probably won't hear this, but Mike is not, um, he's not there. He's not there, right? (laughs) In this context, Uh, a lot of people I work with are, um, and and Dave and I, Greg is gonna find out. Thank you, Lord. The Lord bless Greg with with a new job at United. So let's let's bless God for that. He fin he finna find out. So he gonna be in all our inside jokes, me, him, and Dave. So he gonna know what we're talking about. But we work with, uh, I'm sure a lot of people work with some people who, um, yeah. They um they this Jesus thing ain't uh they ain't even close to it. Uh Lord bless their heart and help us to be lights in their world. Um so wh- I'm saying that because so he goes to further statement, he said, hey, uh he's talking like, just like this. hey, uh Alan, you know, uh uh, you know, if I'm on my deathbed, you know, I'm calling you, right? So he makes a joke. So he, I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to figure out what he's talking about. He said, come with me. So we walk down the hallway and we go into this office, this closed office, and he opens the office. And there's a, a an employee of mine. One of, one of the employee's well, one of the employee's of, of United, who's crying, because her cousin just passed away. And and Mike said when she was going through this, I could not think of anybody but you to call over and speak to her. So when you stand on your faith, people will know where to go when they need you. Make disciples. Today I want our prayer to be, Lord. Who would you have me disciple? Who would you have me pour into on a, on a process a, a level? not just, and, and it's great just giving the courage and word here and there is great. but Lord, who are the people that you have put in my life specifically for me to disciple? Who are the people the, even the, the young people when we do kingdom kids that, that we are looking at people not as, as babysitting while, while service is going on, but how can I pour into them? How can I make myself an, 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 an available vessel to them? You know, you, got, you probably grow up, and you, those of us who've grown in church, and you know that one person in church, like, you know, when you got older, you know, you could come to them like, you know, since such and such, like, I'm going through something. And because of the relationship that was already built, that was already standing. So when we make relationships, when we make friendships, our aim is to make disciples. Our aim is to make disciples. Our aim in life is to know God. Love people and make disciples. Jesus, uh, the fruit that we are called to bear is not just love, joy, peace, it, it, all those things. They're great. They're, and that's the word. I know when I say great, I'm not being sarcastic. They're great. But the fruit that we we're supposed to leave that last are the people that we have poured into. Jesus came. Didn't just come and just did a solo act and walked around, preach His word, healed people. No, but he took time. All that time, there was at least 11 people walking behind him, and he was teaching them. And he sent them out even before he was left. He didn't wait till he was gone. In the midst of the ministry, he said, I'm going to send y'all out two by two. You two go to this town. You two go to this town. And this is what you do. And if this happens, and this happens. And start to teach him because now he can course correct. When he comes down from the mountain and the little boy can't be, can't be delivered, he can now course correct. The reason why you couldn't go to this because some things can't can't be can't be overcome except by praying and fasting. So now they learn. Jesus, how do we pray? Lord, i teach you how to pray. I'll teach you about fasting. I'll teach you about these things. So that way when I leave, you can do greater works than me. When we leave, we have to leave fruit behind. Those of us who have children, those are your primary disciples. Husbands, your wives are your primary, your family is your primary disciples. So just pouring the word on a regular basis. Even when it seems awkward, even when it seems tough, that's the enemy. Because once we get the ball rolling, it it, it flows. You start to get used to this thing. Because that's our calling. It's not go ye therefore pastor, go ye therefore minister, go ye therefore prophet. No, go ye therefore period. Speaking to 11 regular people, because there wasn't these offices in the midst of the disciples. We know them as disciples and apostles, but there were 11 regular people. He says, you go preach to all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them the ways of God. And the reason why we're able to do this is because He is with us, even until the end of the age. He will empower us on what to say, how to say it, when to say it. He will empower us on how to, to take a scripture, break it apart, and give it in a way that is understandable. He will empower us to love people in the midst of their mess, even when their mess includes us. It's not even just people that are just messy people, but people who have included you in the mess, that you continue to love them. He will empower us to understand him more. Because when we understand him more, we understand his heart for his people. When we understand his heart for people, then we start to love them. And when we love them and understand that the greatest thing is God, then we start to bring God to people. We overcome fear of not knowing. We overcome fear of getting stuck in conversations. Get stuck in some conversations. That will teach you to be better in the next conversation. Don't be afraid. Pastor Jack had a great illustration in the midst of, uh, uh, of, of a break. He, gra- he grabbed Genesis and said, You have to be, you have to be, of, uh, you have to not be afraid to be rejected. Who cares if you reject it? That's why Christ said, when they, when they reject you, remember they reject me first. When they persecute you, remember they persecute me first. He didn't say, if. Say, if you choose to do this thing about making disciples. He says, when they. Making disciples is not an option. As a matter of fact, part of being a disciple is being one who makes disciples. So, one thing I'm learning now being a disciple is making disciples, it's a natural effect. So, know God and your word. And when we hear these sermons, when we, when we have our quiet times, when we aim to know God in a deeper level, and in that, learn to love people. The tough people to love, God help me, help my heart, soften my heart towards these people that I have a callous heart to, that I, I feel like I even have a valid reason to have a callous heart to, help my heart to love them. And Lord, not only just love them in word, but indeed by showing them and preaching the gospel to them, to those who are lost. Let me see them as your lost children and let me want to bring them to you. Let me make disciples. It's not only the basis of being a KLM member, but it's the basis of being the disciple of Jesus Christ, period. Know God, love people, make disciples. Bow your heads. Hey, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, first and foremost, that you will make yourself known. You made yourself known through your son, Jesus Christ, God. We thank you, Lord, that you have paid such a price for us to have relationship. Lord, that we don't see you as this far off, God, but Lord, that you call yourselves our God and we are able to call ourselves your people, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that there is a way out of our sin. There is a way out of the bondage that we have been in since we have been born into this world, Lord, and that is through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, we also thank you for the people that you have put us around, oh God, whether they're believers, unbelievers. Lord, we see them all as opportunities, Lord, for us to show forth the glory, show forth your your our our, our our affections to you towards them. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for opportunities to love those who we feel are unlovable. Lord, to get to be patient with people who seem annoying, who seem like frustrating, who seem to always hit that wrong button, God. Help us, Lord, and also give us wisdom on how to operate, Lord, and those times to pull back and those times to go forth. But Lord, help us to love your people. Any hate, anything that's outside of that love, Lord, help us to purge that from our hearts because that is not a heart like yours. And Lord, let us not just love people by patty-caking them and patting them on the back and, and being soft, Lord, but Lord, help us to make disciples for your kingdom. Help us to lead people to salvation in Jesus Christ. Come against any fear that we have, any setback, anything that will cause us to not do what you have called us to do, which is to make disciples in all nations, meaning no matter whether the person looks like me or not, that they are those who need you. Because I know you and I love them, I will make them disciples. Give us guidance, give us wisdom on the how, but Lord, give us the desire to do what you have called us to do. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Grand Cocos, New Jersey. 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to his word. God bless you.